Media Campus here in episode number 65 with Sergey Ross. Thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, you are here because you want to learn from content creators and storytellers and brand builders. How do they do it? How do they get that leverage and influence? And uh, what's their process like? What kind of tools they use? What kind of platforms they use? That's the whole point. Applies obviously not only to your personal brand, but also to your business. It doesn't really matter if it's B2C or B2B because the same principles apply because we are obviously talking to humans end of the day. So this time is really an interesting episode. I'm talking to Kieran Flanagan, a VP of Marketing and Growth uh, at HubSpot, one of my favorite brands. Um, and he was based out of Dublin. We are talking about personal brand. How has he grown his podcast? Kieran's career uh, has been at HubSpot for about seven years now. And what's the difference between doing the work and doing the strategy um, when you are a marketer? And what's the, what's the right point when you jump from execution into being a strategist and what does it mean to be a great manager here's kieran okay i'm here with kieran from hopspot kieran thanks for being here yeah thanks for having me how are things are uh, on the other side of atlantic uh they're good uh well i guess they're the same as where most places are uh living in your house and trying not to venture too far outside you guys are still fully remote right uh, in Ireland or me? In Ireland. Uh, so, the, so I am working remote, if that's what you mean, from Ireland. I don't know if you mean the whole country is remote. Uh, are you, are you, do you mean are we all locked down? Yes, yes. Like in oh, okay. HubSpot. I, HubSpot, I, yeah. I, Should have clarified. So, yeah, though, so um, we are, I think the office in HubSpot in Dublin is actually reopening um, in the next couple of weeks. So I think some people are going to go back into the office, for, um, whoever wants to go in there and take a little break from home. But for the most part, people in Ireland, I think are similar to the rest of the world. A lot of people still working remote from home. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it seems like we are kind of slowly going to uh, uh, ease off the lockdown, which uh, would be nice. Yeah. You, uh, I, I believe you worked with, did you work with Doug Kessler before? I have worked with Doug, yeah. Doug from Velocity Partners, yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, he's great, very, very smart content creator and uh, a really great person yeah i was i i just uh, i think i saw it uh, on your linkedin and uh i had doug here on the show and his his content was so well done and um it was very impressive like you know something that really stands out because it speaks to you directly yeah doug's one of the smartest people i know content uh, creation and just being able to create something that actually truly connects with an audience and that's why his agency has done so amazingly well Right. Yeah, I think they definitely do something differently. In one of your recent posts on LinkedIn, you talked about uh, B2B and B2C, how we could learn from B2C and you know get some of the learnings and apply it uh, in our boring, quote unquote, um, world. What, would you, what have you seen um, that um, some of the examples, I mean, you're in a B2B company in HubSpot. Um, I'm also in a B2B world. Uh, what are some of the things that we could actually use in B, from B2C uh, maybe from content and, and tactics perspective um, that you you thought were uh, valuable? Yeah, it's more so actually the thing I was talking about was shifting business models. Um, and that actually opens the doors to do kind of more exciting and more fun marketing. So if you think traditionally the way B2B companies went to market um, historically was trying to market their product to the people who bought the product. 
And that's usually a small group of people. And the way you would reach them are kind of through things like media placements or events or these kind of very tactical niche targeted marketing tactics uh, and avenues. And what happened over the course of the last decade really is more and more B2B companies create products for the consumers of the product and they go to market through freemium and they try to get their products in the hands of those consumers. And mm -hmm. those consumers then become sales evangelists within the company and kind of sell that product within the company and get that company to adopt the enterprise package. And if you think about B2B, about 10 years ago, a lot of shift within B2B happened towards content marketing. And content marketing was really the first kind of B2C marketing kind of program tactic that was widely adopted. And I think we're seeing more and more things like that being adopted within the B2B space because there's more consumers than there are buyers. And so you need to find better ways that you can scale your distribution efforts and scale your marketing engine to acquire those consumers. And so content is a great way to build an audience for your brand outside of just the buyers for the brand, but also your consumers of the product, also the um, evangelists of the product. And I think that's the thing I was talking about and why it's a, a better time to be a B2B marketer today than maybe it was 15, 20 years ago. Right, right. That makes sense. Slightly different angle. Do you think we are going to get to a point or I, I think it's probably not more of a question of when, where you have a self-checkout, you have a different buying process of uh, B2B software versus, oh, I'm going to have to talk to a rep and uh, we'll have to do all this back and forth for a couple of days until we actually get the product. Yeah, that's what's happening, right? Like most B2B companies are starting to adopt self-serve. They have touchless go-to-markets where you can actually adopt the product, you can try it out and then you can buy it all without ever having to talk through a human and there's really two there's really a spectrum right of where b2b companies land in terms of go-to-markets you have one end which is the uh companies who sell a low price product through a very touchless self-serve model and then on the other end of the spectrum you have a company that's selling to the fortune 500 which is a very high touch sales process very high touch go to market and then you have companies who build both self-serve and build up to enterprise if you think about dropbox i'm not sure if you're a user but dropbox yeah. kind of sold or marketed through consumers all of these people used it and now they've built this whole other engine to be able to get companies to adopt that product and buy the higher touched uh, product and higher price product and so we we are definitely seeing that that is the shift you see in b2b where more and more we're creating a humanless experience however that is only possible if your product fits certain criteria and does not need people to actually walk someone through to show how it solves their pain points so it's not applicable for everyone, but I think more and more the B2B comp, uh, experience is moving to like a consumer-led model. And obviously your company does it super well. You've been doing it for a long time. Um, so like HubSpot, you offer quite a lot of functionality for free. Um, I yep. don't remember what's your limit on the company's com on a number of contacts that you can have in a database. I think it's like a couple thousand. Um, but how, where do you think when you have a free product, where does it not make sense? to have a free product in a B2B? Where would that, where it, would be, it would be like a run approach? If it's a really comp, like the best products that make sense for touchless is where you can onboard someone into the value in a short amount of time and it's not that complicated to do, right? Someone actually can figure out, oh, this is why this thing is valuable for me. This is why I actually, it solves my pain points. This is why I want to buy it. Um, if you have a very complicated product that you have to like, really help people navigate the um, 
the value of it or find the value of it. Or there's a huge amount of setup. Like you have to, to see the true value of this product. You need to integrate it with these products. You need to ingest data. You need to do all this stuff. Um, trying to force that through a touchless model is probably not going to do very well. So you really need to think about your product. Like if you think about traditionally, we think about our product market fit. Mm -hmm. I think you think about your product market fit, your product model fit, and your product channel fit. And so your product model fit is like, what is the right go to market for my product? And then my product channel fit is what are the right marketing channels that I can build into and I will be able to acquire demand from. So you think about how do I acquire in scalable right. ways to, at the very point that you start to build both your product roadmap and your product ro model roadmap. Mm. Do, do you think um, uh, the, the content play or the content inbound content marketing could be one of the strategies, but obviously this is not, uh, there are so many other ones that you could, you could consider. For the um, consumer led model? Yeah. Yeah. So like, Content marketing has evolved in B2B because more and more companies want to acquire the consumers of their products. So the consumers may use your product, but not buy the product, but you want to build a core audience for your brand. And inbound marketing typically works because, or content marketing and inbound has worked because we as consumers can now choose how we want to interact with those brands. So I can actually go to a company, I can adopt their product, I can start to use it before I ever have to ask my manager for their budget. And maybe it's such a low cost that to get to that first tier, there's not a big sign up process and I can decide to use that. And I think more and more you're going to start to see in B2B in, in companies that the teams can select their own tools. It used to be that Hey, these are the tools right. we use as a company. Everyone has to use them. But what you start to see in more and more companies that it's different com different teams use their own different tools and different teams have their own stacks. Um, and so content marketing is certainly one of the first things that I think B2B adopted to start to acquire both the buyers and the consumers of their products. Makes sense. Uh, let's talk about uh, you being at HubSpot. I mean, you've been there for a long time, uh, seven years, I believe. Uh, yep. What what are some of the areas you focus on in your role as um, uh, as a VP of marketing, as a gro growth marketing, and how has that evolved over the years? Yeah, so I've done. Uh, I think I've been fortunate to join a company that's grown so much that you get to do different things. And so I've really had three different jobs in HubSpot. The first was to help us grow out our international business, and so I joined when there was about twelve to nineteen people who were the first people to join outside of Cambridge. Uh, and we set up our first office. It was in Dublin, uh, in Ireland, which is where I'm based. Um, and that went really well. So we, we did that for, for two and a half years. And then I went to join a small group, a, a global team that were tasked with helping HubSpot pivot towards a freemium model and a self-serve and go-to-market. So the things that we've talked about, how do we acquire right. more consumers and how do we have a product model, product go-to-market that actually helps us to do that. And so I did that for about two and a half years and then that went really well and we merged our kind of freemium business with our traditional business and today what i do is i just manage all of the different teams that acquire demand from around the globe for hubspot and so one of the cool things about joining joining a company that continually grows is i don't need to leave that company to get different experiences i can stay in a company that i enjoy working for with people i love working with in a company that's doing really well but do actually different things and feel like i'm actually kind of doing a new, a new role each and every time. Right. Uh, where, <clears throat> Kieran, where do you focus, like what are some of the, your strength from the marketing, uh, growth marketing strategy perspective? What are some of the areas that, that you sometimes would do yourself 
um, besides just, oh, let's let, let the team actually come up with uh, an approach? Um, so, so let me, uh, let me try to answer it in a way that I think may sure. be valuable. And then you can like, re-ask me if you want me to. So I think there's, you know, there's different parts of your career that you're doing kind of different things. And so today I have a group of about 65 or 70 people and that my direct reports are very senior, talented marketers, more talented than me They're They have great teams. And so what I try to do in terms of management is provide a space um, where people can make decisions, be somewhat autonomous, and I can help be a sounding board. I can provide an overall strategic roadmap that I think are the right things to do, and they can push back and tell me that they think some of them are wrong or that I've missed certain things. Um, I can, and then what I do every kind of quarter is I write the priorities that I have personally uh, and the areas that I'm going to focus on. And so let's say that my team are are working on 10 different projects for the upcoming quarter. I may say that I'm going to be in the weeds with three of mm-hmm. these and the other seven, I believe that you have them and they're, you have them under control. They're working really well. You're making progress. And if they are, if that is not true at any time, like ask me to be part of a meeting, to help you to be assigned a board, to remove a, a roadblock. But for the other three, I'm going to be really in the weeds and I'm going to be like another person on that team, just doing work and trying to really get my head around how this actually works and how we can make progress. That's typically how I manage. Um, mm. And so I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, okay. Do you, do you still do like any tactics? Do you actually get your hands dirty and actually do so, like, you know, build something yourself? Uh, do I build something? So it kind of, it really depends what you mean by that. Um, yeah. Like for example, like, you know, like a launch and like, uh, you know, create ads or launch a campaign, like an ad campaign or like build a landing page. Uh, I mean, obviously you have a ton of people who are doing that. That's, that's yeah. obvious answer, but I was just curious, like, are you doing it something for, for fun or on the side, um, for you? Okay. I get what you mean. Uh, I don't get to spend as much time kind of like building ads or building landing pages or anything like that. I like to think that I'm quite hands-on in some areas. Um, and a lot of, a lot of what I do is I spend my time writing memos and going through painting the picture strategically, how something should work. Um, I still do create content. I still do things like podcasting, but they're not within HubSpot. They're kind of the thing I try to do as a hobby. Um, I still create some content in HubSpot. I've created content on our blogs. I do uh, some amount of like content creation because that's just a core passion of mine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the amount of time you get to spend on actually, actually the execution of the work versus the strategizing of the work is way more in the strategizing, team alignment, team hiring, uh, team organization. It's more things like that. Um, I think you uh, talked about how all the marketers want to do what you do. They are like, oh, well, let's do the strategy because it's cool, and like you should, you're actually not doing any work. Versus, uh, you actually you 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 shouldn't be skipping this five, ten, whatever years yeah. of time where yeah. you're actually gonna do the, all the heavy lifting and execute and build the the banners, create a campaign, create the targeting audiences, whatever you need, right? Like write an email. Uh, what are your thoughts around that? In terms of like how when do you know that? Uh, you did enough work to to move into the strategy space. Yeah, I th- I, th- I think that uh, you should never fall out of love with doing the work. I just think it's fundamentally uh, like for me when I lose track of time, it's two th- two things. Uh, there's many times I lose track of times, but two of the more common ones is when I'm 
creating content, um, uh, like doing, doing some stuff around, like trying to be creative, building wireframes for a landing page. So I still do a lot of that, that kind of stuff, uh, just messing about myself mm -hmm. or creating memos and strategy docs on things that I'm very, very excited by. So like one element kind of doing the work, one element, uh, building a strategy, but really doing the work is what gets you to, um, like strategy is like such a nebulous term anyway. It's like, what, is, what do we mess by strategy? If I create and craft a paid advertising ad and I figure out the target audience, like that's strategic, right? Like there's strategy in every part of your work. But what I see is people want to go, oh, well, I've done this for six months and now I just want to tell other people what to do. And that's what they mean by that. <laughs> you should just like, you should really um, be passionate about that because when you become a manager and become a leader, and you're managing people who do those things, you can help to, if you truly understand their profession and you truly understand how these things work, you can help remove roadblocks. You can actually give them better career development. You can actually think strategically about how to like get them set up with bigger opportunities and push back um, and maybe bring forward things that they haven't thought about. So I think that everyone wants to aspire to be more strategic and people manager and that's all, all good, but it's not like, hey, half a year of doing work and then, the next 10 years, I'm just going to tell people to do this work because I don't want to do it anymore. Well, maybe that you're not, you're not in the, you're not in the correct area. There's something else you'd be more passionate about. Yeah. I mean, it's like how you feel, right? Like how make, how it makes you feel. It's not about the title or the paycheck. It's about like, like really being passionate. I know it's cliche word, but like being passionate about the thing that you want to be doing, uh, but you're yeah. doing it for bigger reason than all the fancy things, all the glory. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I think people, I think everyone's motivated differently. I think that, um, I have no problem with someone doing the work and then wanting to be credited with it or wanting to have internal credit, external credit, whatever way you're motivated is just, if you're, if you're motivated by finances and money, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm very, um, financially focused and motivated by money and motivated by getting credit for some certain mm -hmm. things. I don't think there, you should shy away from your motivations. You should, um, you should, you should be clear on those and you should know what motivates you. And you should even express that to your manager because then your manager knows like, oh, well, this is how I can motivate that person. That's how I can let them know they're doing a good work either through a promotion, a note, um, whatever it may be. The thing I want to be clear on is like, well, you know, I'm, I'm deeply passionate about the area that I'm in. If my team need me to like be hands-on and help, that that's not something I, I'm adverse to because I just... I just, I despise their work. Like I actually, I'm very passionate about the work they've right. done. I used to do it. I can help them do those things. Um, for me, it's just to trying to, and plus like learning mm -hmm. your craft and, and learn There's something uh, great about spending the time, just learning your craft and becoming really, really uh, great at it. It's why I love people who kind of become very senior at the thing they do before they gravitate to being a manager because they've really truly learned that craft and they can actually help teach other people. And then all of the kind of times I've had managers and had done three, six season managers and looked at what their team thought about them. The main thing that always comes up mm -hmm. is, oh, this person can't help me. I can't learn from them. People want to work from people that they can learn from, right? Your manager has such a big impact on your career. There's nothing worse thinking that you are working for someone that you can learn nothing from. That's when people leave. Yeah. Because like, I mean, all the, all the good ones, the superstars. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. No, for sure. I mean, uh, it's like uh, the years spent building your craft that allows manager, I mean, and of course the management uh, capabilities allows to, hey, to say like, this is, you know, we, we're going to grow uh, our team and uh, keeps to retain people 
um, and then when they're ready to move on, they move on. Yeah, like I. Th- so I think again, yeah, I think there's not, and then there's also. Um, so good managers basically are able to have better retention rate on their teams because people feel they can work with them and they feel they're making progress. There's nothing wrong then about some people leaving your team. Maybe they just outgrow the role, they outgrow the company, and there's no other path for them to go. Some attrition is good. I think as a manager, what you want mm-hmm. to do is just have impact in your team's career in any meaningful way you can. Maybe that impact is them staying on within the company and progressing within the company. Maybe that impact is them going somewhere else and being a superstar somewhere else. But you can't really have impact unless you can teach that person something. And I don't think you can teach that person something unless you've mastered the craft and the thing that they're actually trying to figure out. Yeah. That's, that's so true. Uh, let's talk about your podcast. You've uh, been doing it for a while, super popular. Uh, why, growth TLDR, I believe. Yeah, it turns out I'm not, as a marketer, I'm not good at branding. So it's too, uh, TLDR is too long to, uh, too long to read. I had to, I had to, too long, look at, too I had long to... don't, too, too long don't read. And, uh, yes. And, and I've, and podcasts are audio, so it makes no real sense. The the original the original thing I was going to do the original podcast idea mm-hmm. actually was I still think a strong idea but uh, which was TLDR which is basically get an expert on and do a roundup show because there's too much content and basically get them to comment do commentary on the hot topics of that week what I found was like and I would be the same is that people aren't going to come on your podcast and do read articles you give them to have commentary before. <laughs> you come on and so and so uh we ended up just kind of changing the format a little bit but maybe we'll but i'm still thinking about like we have two episode types now and i think about adding in a third and that would be my third interesting so so how how long you been doing it so far it's like uh 14 15 months but i would say we've only really started doing it for like for the first six months we weren't very good so a year i I felt competent after about a year Mm. Yeah, I know it does take, uh, as everything does take quite a bit of time. Uh, what was the, what's the, um, like, how do you think about differentiating yourself from the other podcasts? Or if you do think about it at all, when you're pushing, uh, pushing your, your content and getting guests? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I started to think about it. When I first started doing the podcast, it was actually uh, a way for me to meet people because I'm stuck in, I'm not stuck. That makes me sound like I don't have a choice. I'm based in Dublin and Ireland, not San Francisco or these other places. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, there's just less of a opportunity to meet a lot of good people. Cause I'm not going to the events of San Fran and I'm not in the States right. or these other places. And it was really great for that. Like I got to talk to people, got to meet some people. Um, and so I thought less about like, how do I differentiate myself back then? And just more, how do I become a competent interviewer? Because I, but pre that I had been a pretty regular speaker and pretty regular in podcasts. And I was like, well, interviewing someone is really, really easy. Um, you just ask them questions. And I prefer to be interviewed versus interviewing someone. Even today, I think it's hard to do in a, in a meaningful way. And so then I just started trying to perfect my craft of being a good podcast host. And I think over time that I've managed to do that, I just feel more confident being able to ask differentiation of questions that's more how i think about differentiating myself right but i have started to think about now what would what would be a fun thing to do in the podcast that is a different format than other formats um so i've only just recently started to think about it but Mm. also the podcast is a is a is something i do outside of a job that takes up a lot of hours so it depends how how much time i have at any given time to think about it And, and you produce it yourself right yeah, we have an editor and we are, we had another person that did a lot of the kind of like admin work that we have to rehire someone. But um, 
and so I'm trying to get it to a point where literally I have to just pick the guest and I try to pick guests I kind of know something about um, and really are enthusiastic to talk to mm-hmm. and then ask the questions and hopefully everything else is done for me. Um, not at that point at the moment because a person we were, one of our um, people had to, to, to leave. They didn't have time to work anymore. And so I have to get someone else. Right. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to interview people well, and it is also hard to interview people that is different uh, on your show than on others. Where let's say you know we, I have you on this show and you did uh, a bunch of other interviews, like how this one is different, and this one is hard, like because you know it's easy to ask the same obvious questions about well, tell me about yourself, tell me about your job, tell me about how are you doing, and all of those things are the same, but then how is it differentiating your show, right? So, so, so I will give you what I think different. So some of our episodes, not all of them. And, um, and, but what I've been told, and I think because me and Scott can go deep with someone into the things that they talk about, because we're asking people on who have like grown, comp- grown companies and done certain things that we have ha- have experience in. And so we can ke- get into a real conversation is of a back and forth. Oh, like, we did this thing and then we didn't, that didn't work out. And that person could say, yeah, we tried it this way. And I think that those episodes to me, when you start to kind of gel and there's a real kind of like sharing of ideas, that's that, that kind of differentiates it from a normal interview, but it, that's not every single episode we do. Yes. Yes, for sure. When you're like, uh, yeah, I mean, when you go super deep, you go into your experiences, you go back and forth. That is so unique to you and the guest. Uh, then exactly. you're like, you went to a lot, like a lot more levels deeper than anybody else effectively yeah so that's the thing i think about and it's not it's we're not able to do it all the time because some guests are just doing incredible things and we haven't don't have the experience we do have some commentary but um and i think a lot of it is in the in the sourcing of guests and just having uh interesting things for them to talk about definitely what about uh like promotion are you like doing from like from the podcast perspective, are you doing any promotion or you're just posting on all the platforms? Yeah, not a lot. Even like on Twitter and LinkedIn, I only pick the episodes that I think people may be interested in. I don't even promote them all there. Um, I don't know. People just find out about it um, and seem to seem to enjoy it. So again, that's another thing that I want to actually have mm-hmm. someone do for me. Um, and that's actually the person I'm trying to to hire is to get someone to do a lot of the uh, notes and promotion and things like that. Right, right, right. And you're not, you're not really recording the show right now in video. Like that's something maybe you could consider. We, we've been asked to, because we have this new episode, which is called the swipe file on a Thursday. And we go through, um, me and Scott don't have guests. We just talk in depth about, a um, a topic and I'm a very visual person. So I keep, I have like a presentation, I have like these slides in front of me with these graphics. I'm like, Hey Scott, what do you think about this graphic? And mm-hmm. some people keep tweeting me and saying like, can you just post this on video so we can see what you're talking about? So, um, I may do that. It just makes me a bit more self-conscious of like putting for, for sure. If I put them on YouTube, they'll get 10 views and then you're looking at them feeling like a complete failure, but I don't, <laughs> it's not, it's not a video medium. So it's not, it's never going to perform like, unless you're Joe Rogan or someone it's not going to perform well in video. And so it's good for a certain number of people, but it still makes me feel like another failure of having these like videos with 10, 20 views. Well, you know, I mean, 
the way that like the way that I look at YouTube from that perspective is pure search ranking. Like because whenever somebody yeah. would type in your podcast, uh, you would the, at the very top of the page, at the very top of Google results, you will see that video with ten views. Like it, yeah, it always shows up. That's true. It actually beats. Um, mo well, most of the time it beats podcast directories like uh, Spotify, like Apple Podcasts. Mm. YouTube would beat it uh, in search ranking. So for people who are interested, uh, it would be top. Like, and, and you don't really need to do anything. All you have to do effectively is just you just upload the video um, and s basic keywords, are sh they're d you don't really need any, any fancy keywords, but then you have this power of, um, of Google search effectively. Okay. Well, wow, that's a good tip. I hadn't thought about that before. Maybe I will actually um, get whoever this person is um, on board to to do that for us. Yeah, it's something to consider. Um, and then what I like, what I've seen is, I mean, obviously on LinkedIn, yeah, I'm sure you've seen a ton of these shorter videos, right, where they yep. have like this extracts. Yeah, I, I think I, I was I was like doing a lot of LinkedIn video maybe a year or so ago. I was really enjoying it, and I kind of stopped stopped doing it. I actually have myself um, a new little video setup. Um, so mm -hmm. I can record pretty, pretty high quality videos at home. So I want to get back into creating small tutorials or not tutorials, like thoughts or stuff. Right. I, I have like an, an infinite amount of things I would, I'm, I'm a content kind of content creator at heart. And so if I didn't have to work, I would just create content in different formats, but unfortunately, not unfortunately, I love my job, but I don't have yeah. a lot of time to do this stuff <laughs> and I'm trying to have a tiny bit of a life outside I, of I, working. So I, I remember, I remember you said, uh, that was an interesting post on LinkedIn, which resonated a lot. You said, oh my God, like I don't, I don't have any meetings today. It feels like a great day or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It feels, it feels like I'm, a, I have superpowers. Yes. Uh, oh yes. Cause you're just, you're just, you're just, you're just in work. And I, I, I like, I love meetings and I love like the meetings we have. And I love talking to people on the spot, but yeah, at heart, I'm a creator. Like that's why I've always been passionate about, I used to be a developer and I got into marketing. Mm. I, I wanted to be a developer cause I love, I wanted to create things and I just wasn't good enough at coding. And then when I got into marketing, I was like, wow, there's no barriers to, for me to create stuff. I was creating like blog posts and slideshare mm. decks and, tweeting stuff and I was like, there's no one, no one can stop me like from being a creator and I just have to like master these things. And I just think it's a, a real sense of freedom. Absolutely. And you have like your own brand uh, where, and you, I, I think also what it allows you to do, like the way that I look at it is one of the biggest advantages is that you are okay to express whatever thoughts you have uh, versus when you're in a company and that's totally okay. There's some limitations. There's some, there will be some boundaries. Yep. Yeah. I think you can, um, the, well, the th the reason I've always loved it is because it, um, it allows people to, it doesn't restrict your ability to be successful. There's no restriction on your ability to be successful. Right. So you, you don't have any barriers to right. how hard you can work and how entrepreneurial you can be and how far you can go. So I, a good example is like my two brothers, um, I went into computer science, and I went into mm -hmm. computer science because I didn't have really great, great career guidance from yeah. the, the school that I'm from. It's a very small village and it was not the right course for me, but I stuck with it, got a good grade, went into development and then shifted careers and that's all good. But my two younger brothers, like what do you do when you're a sibling and you also are from the same school and don't have good career guidance, you follow your brother. And they both followed me into computer science and they both dropped out <laughs> during college. <laughs> and both of them, I moved my brother, one brother in with me because uh, I knew he was entrepreneurial 
and taught him a little bit of digital marketing and he went went and be, went off became a creator and now he's in sydney and he has a really great growth job then he taught my other brother how to do this stuff then he got a great job and now actually they work in the same company in a marketplace that's amazing and that's why it's that's why i love it because the people i meet in marketing are people who want to have like the kind of sense that they are in charge of their own destiny and that they put in the effort and if they work hard and if they master their craft then they can actually make uh, a really great career and a really great living of 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 it yeah absolutely and you have so much flexibility of well you're a freelancer you're a contractor you're full-time maybe uh, like you have all these models that you could fit together to to find your the right lifestyle for you effectively yeah yeah exactly it's uh like i'm i've mostly been working all of the teams i manage are for the most part based in the states that's actually one of the great things about working with hubspot is they've embraced remote work and so mm. i can work do a job that and otherwise I would never have been able to do, um, from, from, from Ireland. Um, and I think because you can work anywhere with this kind of stuff, it allows you to do that. Definitely. That means it's, it's such a flexible option. It's, it's unbelievable where you, you just need internet. You, you could get, you could get to work with pretty much anybody. What about, so, so are you, I mean, are you more comfortable writing or doing video? What do you, what do you like? I like both. I would say that I'm, I think I have good, when I write, I don't think I'm the best writer. I think I have good thoughts that I can put into um, an article and I can like share good thoughts. I think mm -hmm. I would need, I could do with someone who actually is better at formatting that and editing that and putting it in a way that um, really gets your idea to pop. Um, I'm very reliant on Grammarly. <laughs> That's not a good thing to be. I love video. I, I really enjoy it. Um, uh, again, I, I just love, I, I just love content. There's not really a content format. I don't enjoy. I think the only one that I was really hesitant to do was podcasting because I generally am an introvert and you have to do it with someone you're like, you're interviewing someone else. And then right. that for me is nerve wracking. That was really nerve wracking for the first, probably six to 12 months. Every time I was an hour before my podcast, I'd be like, Oh, I hope I don't make an <laughs> idiot of myself. I hope this person doesn't think I'm an idiot. Like, um, and so, so just trying to get over that, that, but it's been great for that. I feel a lot more confident in meeting new people and having a discussion. And, um, so that was really the only content format I was ever right. kind of like hesitant about. And I'm really glad I did it. Do, do you have any, uh, do you have any horror stories from, from early interviews that, that you are okay to share? No, I, I would share everything. Yeah. Um, I've never had, I, I know a couple of horror stories from other people who've had podcasts that I won't share. Um, cause there's, there's names that people would know, but mm -hmm. I have not had any bad, bad, um, bad, I, I've had not, I've had really no bad, uh, experiences doing it. And like, we've got to interview some people, uh, that I just think are an amazing people and just were so great at sharing things with us and having a conversation. Like one of the ones right. that stick in my head, head is Justin can who's the founder of twitch mm -hmm. and i remember scott and i were slacking beforehand and we said we're going to try to do this full interview without mentioning twitch and talking about twitch because like he sold twitch for a billion he's probably been asked by twitch every single interview and i love that episode because we just talked about mindfulness mm -hmm. and we talked about what it was like to basically finish the game of life at such a young age because he doesn't need to work again he yeah. was talking about his struggles uh, uh, the struggles he went through to do that. And that, that for me is, um, 
get in, get in to have those moments with people like that. That's why it's such a, it's been such an incredible journey, but I, there's not been any really, like mm-hmm. I, we've been ghosted a couple of times, uh, <laughs> but you and I know that it happens. happens. It happens. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's, 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 that's about it. There's been nothing that, uh, that interesting that's happened. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you just, you just over time, you get so much more experience, uh, confidence in asking questions, confidence in booking guests. And, uh, and then overall, it just comes across as a better show. Like, yeah, like listeners jump on it. I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. These guys are having a really cool conversation versus what I do find and what I personally don't like. That's why I really wanted to do this show super conversational is when it's very formal. Oh, tell me about this campaign you launched in 2018. It's like and a then job interview. Job interview. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a job interview. I've heard, there's a lot of podcasts that are like a job interview where you just and think just, a person's applying for a job. They're so boring though. Like, like I, I feel like at the end of the day, like when I listen to your show, like I want to know more about the person. Yes, of course I want to know the tactics and the strategy and all the frameworks and all of these things. That's great. But, you know, I think like context is important. Like your context matters because we all have different so 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 i don't know so i i i would have agreed with you pre us asking our audience what they want so scott and i used to do this thing where we'd have to first five to ten minutes was just the fun get to know each other and we did things like we had quizzes and like fun games and it was more to your point like oh this person is like let's get to know them and get them to do some fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And we did the survey and everyone's like, can you just cut the 10 minutes, the first 10 <laughs> minutes and get straight into like the stuff we need to learn. And I get it. Like when I'm on a podcast, I think unless it's, you know, Elon Musk. Um, but for the most part, what I want to know is how, what, what's this person done? How can I learn from them? And I want to, and I, for the most part may know who they are. Um, if you're in that space and you're listening to someone in marketing and growth, and we try to stick to founders and execs, you probably right. know the company, you probably know who they are. So yeah, that's been interesting. I, cause I, I originally was like, I want this to be a fun, almost like a Friday night chat show. Yeah. And people, people didn't like that part of it. Yeah. I, th- I think it also depends on, I mean, it does depend a bit on the audience for sure, but, uh, I've also noticed and I've heard from multiple people who are in exec roles. They're like, Hey, I want this 25 minute thing. Tell me exactly how do you do it? Right. How yeah. did you execute this thing? And it totally yeah. makes sense. Uh, and I think it's a faster growth strategy when you when you when you focus on this actionable narrow thing, um, then you're going to grow a lot quicker versus if you just go broad, people are like, I don't know. And it's probably going to take a lot longer because you are targeting much wider audience. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like pe- people people want people want the good stuff like they have not much time. They want you to get straight into it and they want to know that their 25 to 30 minutes was worth it. Yeah, pretty much. What are you, uh, I mean, I love gear, so I have to ask you that. What is the, what's your video uh, video setup? What are you, what kind of gear are you using? I don't know, like uh, HubSpot, uh, cause I'm gonna, a lot of my events now, the conferences I speak at are all online. And so um, we have a really great video team in HubSpot and they got me to buy a bunch of equipment um, so I can start to pre-record my event talks and then submit them to these conferences. And so, I actually can't tell you what it was. It was a bunch of, it was an iPad. It was a spotlight. It was a bunch of cables. <laughs> and so they're going to actually walk me through. Um, they're kind enough to be able to, they're going to walk me through putting it together. And they're going to um, walk me through, actually do a walkthrough of my house to find the best place to set it up. Right. Um, and so right. I'm excited. So as soon as I get that set up, I'm probably going to go back to doing a, um, some, some LinkedIn stuff and some video stuff. 
That's very cool. Have you have you thought about doing a vlog at any point? I'm not interested enough. My mm -hmm. life is not interested enough. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I don't know if any I don't know if anyone's life is interested enough right now. Right, we're in our house, but um, nah, I'm not. I'm not like I love talking about work and growth and stuff. I'm not really a right. talk about myself person. Right. Yeah. No, it does take a certain. It's 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 a big pivot. I know. Uh, so you you post on LinkedIn. You do it not every day. You do it once in a while get really great uh, traction. Um, is it more just, well, I have this thought, I want to put it out, or there's something more behind it? It's see, it's uh, seed in thoughts, and then those thoughts usually end up as podcast episodes or event talks, or they're just things that I'm thinking about, and I start to like formulate those ideas, and then they come, they end up coming, mostly become like podcast episodes, blog posts, event, event speaks. Uh, but yeah, LinkedIn is just, I, I think it's a great way to just get feedback and get what I always try to end my LinkedIn. Like, what are, what are your thoughts? What have I missed? And sometimes no one gives me feedback. I think it's because I'm thinking about stuff that is just like, not, doesn't make sense. Um, and sometimes I get like, I, you know, get 30, 40, 50 comments of people telling me and I can actually go through them all and go, wow, yeah, this is actually helping me really kind of crystallize that thought. Yeah, it's an amazing way to pre-test, like really, really effective. And because it's also like it prioritizes this really well um, organic reach uh, where yep. like people who are in your third, like they are like third degree connection, they would still read it, which is impressive. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. I, I, I love LinkedIn as I think for a moment there, it was getting a little bit repetitive and because there was a sequence of how you can do things, but I think it's got pretty good and I try not to, I try to only post when I have something to post versus like, oh, I, I see a lot of people going, well, I have this calendar and I try to post twice a day on here. <laughs> I just post when I've got something to put. Like, like, I think I haven't posted on Twitter for the last three days because I've had nothing to like contribute of value. So I just try to post when I have something interesting in my mind. I find it hard though. Like uh, the way that like I uh, the way that I do LinkedIn posts is I come up with ideas in advance and then I write them up before the week starts and then I start posting them. But then it, I think the key is right understanding how do you get these ideas. Some of them you'll have on your mind and you would want to push out. That's great. But then the other ones would be well like is there any anything trending that people are already talking about that you've seen? Mm. If not, then, well, let me go through the feed and see if there's some really interesting thoughts that you could add up and comment on. Or what I found it was works pretty well is if you're following certain people, let's say two or three folks who are super cool and they are, uh, are, have the same interest, you go to their page and you look at their posts, the previous posts, and you look at the ones that performed well that are also interesting to you, could you reframe that in a certain way? Is there mm, something else you could tip. add up? And those ones yep. perform extremely well. I found like if I take a, an idea and I and I like I totally agree. And here's what else you can do. Those posts perform super well. Mm, I like that actually. I haven't thought about that. I I'm not. I just not a. It's just it's an indication of uh, the time I have. It's right. I, I like that. It's more it's more structured, but um. I like to reverse engineer LinkedIn. I think that's a really good tip. Yeah, like, it takes it takes uh, definitely takes time. Ideas. Yeah. 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 It definitely takes time. What are you? Uh, what are your thoughts on the future for you personally, uh, being VP of Growth? Um, like, do you want to keep going when you stop learning? Do you want to do something else at a certain point? Uh, become a full-time YouTuber, twenty twenty-two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny. Someone else asked me about my um, goals yesterday. I don't have any um, at the moment. I, 
I think I go through periods where I have these like, oh, I need to do this thing. And, and at the moment, I'm just trying to enjoy life. I think definitely the pandemic has helped me to uh, just realize that I'm just actually trying to live in the moment. Um, if I, I get up as long as I enjoy the work I do, the team I work with, um, and maybe something, I, I'm a true believer in if you're very focused on the area that you enjoy working in, if you're someone who continually tries to be helpful wherever you can be helpful. And I try every time, anytime someone wants half an hour of my time or anything I can do to help, I try to do that. Uh, and you stay kind of in that space and positive, like opportunities present themselves versus like me needing to go and like seek them. And so I think I'm doing this until something tells me that I should do something different. And at the moment, um, yeah, I'm living really kind of in the, in the moment. I haven't really Good thought beyond, beyond it. Good intent always wins. Yeah. Yeah. Are there I any, agree. Uh, are there any book recommendations? I know you have limited time, uh, day, day to day to probably read, but like, are there any books or pieces of content from the marketing perspective that you keep coming back to, or you found really cool, uh, in the last couple of months? Ah, uh, that's a really good question. Someone else asked me this yesterday and I didn't have a good answer. And I wondered why I didn't have a good answer. I like, I consume content, but I just don't think I consume it in a way that I remember where the content is coming from. Mm. Um, so I like, I read, uh, Ben Thompson's strategy. Um, oh, I, I love that's that. The, yeah. It's one of the go-to places I can. So I'm trying to think through, you know what? A lot of my content gets pushed to me. Mm -hmm. through my network. I think I'm less like I get content from people who I know uh, via Slack or WhatsApp. I get some amount of content that I just find on Twitter. And then I have some subscription newsletters. And in terms of books, I was actually thinking about this yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, I'm reading, what am I reading at the moment? Uh, it's like the, how, how it's basically how narratives go viral. Uh, stories go oh, viral yeah. and in economics. So I'm reading That's like a lot cool. of weird stuff. Um, <laughs> well, it's important. I don't have, yeah, I, I get asked the book recommendation thing and I should have, but I just don't want to, I don't want to come out with this, you know, read the hard things about the hard things, which I've read and all the I kind know. of standard books. Classic. Um, I just can't remember what I'm, you, you what can, I'm you can, it, uh, you can share, you can share with me and then I'll link it in show notes after that's totally cool. Cause I know it's a hard question to answer. Like I don't remember half of the stuff I read too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm reading Business Model Generation, a handbook for visionaries, game chasers, and challengers. I'm looking at my mm -hmm. Amazon and I'm reading narrative economics. And I'm not sure what else I'm reading. I'll check it out. Uh, Kieran, where's everybody could find you online? Uh, so you can find me at, uh, so my Twitter ID is at searchbrat, which is kind of a weird Twitter ID, or you can just search for Kieran Flanagan uh, on LinkedIn and connect me that way. And if you want to check out the podcast, it's growth TLDR. Is there anything we have missed or um, anything you wanted to have as a final message to the audience? No, I think we covered, I think we covered, actually covered a lot. So um, hopefully it was uh, helpful for people and uh, people got some, some use out of it. Kieran, great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sergey. This was Kieran Flanagan, ladies and gentlemen, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, if you did, you could see the highlights of it in, uh, on LinkedIn. I'll be pushing out a short form video. Uh, if you are following me on LinkedIn, if you are not, then you can go and do so. I have a link in the show notes and be sure to check out Kieran's podcast uh, because, because he has some amazing guests and they are diving deep into growth 
um, and go into like specific recommendations what you can do. Super relevant for B2B, so do that. And thanks for listening. I will see you in the episode number 66.